I'm Tony Lockwood, founder of Thompson Wright Partners, and I'm delighted to welcome you to the latest episode of Inside Track, where I discuss business transformation journeys with leading figures in industry. We are getting some great feedback on the podcast. Thanks to all of you who have sent us emails or commented on social media and shared previous episodes. It really is appreciated. One common theme is that you tend to get one small nugget from each episode that can help you overcome specific issues or challenges that you are facing from time to time. Alternatively, it gives you the spark of an idea to try out in the future. Please do subscribe and continue to share your thoughts. The more people that we can get to listen, the more people that we can help. Today's guest has significant experience across many sectors and has focused heavily on the digital transformation arena. I'm delighted to introduce you to Lippy Sarka. Uh, well, it's great to welcome you uh, to the Inside Track podcast, Lippy. Uh, thank you for joining us today. Um, your career to date has uh, spanned consulting, industry, charity sector, technology businesses. So let's start off as we always do uh, by providing a little context to our upcoming discussion uh, by just providing us with a brief overview of your career, if you would, please. Thank you, Tony. It's a pleasure to be in your podcast. Um, so as you have rightly explained, so across different sectors and industries, so I've worked with charity sector, I've worked with professional services, I've worked with big four, I've worked with big consulting firm. So my career is more about into technology, but also including the consulting aspect of it, which starts from, uh, you know, the people aspect, the process aspect, and technology is an enabler in that case, I would say. But yes, sometimes you work more on the technology, but bringing all those three things together. Right, absolutely, thank you. And um, transformation means lots of things to lots of people. And uh, the title of the podcast is Inside Track Business Transformation Journeys. Uh, so we always ask, again, just to put, put the context in place, we always ask people, what, how do you define transformation? Well, I, I see transformation as where your organization is trying to optimize the business processes or trying to bring some efficiency in their customer experience um, into their internal operational efficiency. But that the whole transformation journey is making sure that everybody is on board, bringing their workforce together, uh, making that efficient, making it work as pertinent, um, using the right tools and technology. Okay, I'm sure we'll I'm sure we'll go into a little bit more detail as we progress on some of those yeah. some of those points that you've raised. So your um, digital transformation director at CrowdSource, I believe now, um, yeah. it, it appears that virtually every organisation is undertaking some form of digital transformation at the moment. It's become the latest buzzword, I think. And uh, um, so, so it'd be interesting just to get a, a feel from you about how you're finding the market and, and what do you view as true digital transformation. Yeah, it's a very good and great question, uh, Tony. I mean, digital transformation, sometimes people have different aspects of digital transformation. Sometimes people do see that it's just another project. It's an upgrade of the system. Um, but digital transformation in true sense is about understanding where they are in their organization, where they want to, what are the key drivers of change, where they want to be as an organization, where they do want to be in six months time, in one year time. And bringing all the standardizing the processes, bringing their workforce together, and how delivering the you know the change element because the transformation is never true if you don't bring in the change element. And the change is 
so huge and vast and it's complex because you, you would have as people workers you would have different kind of you know departments impacted with the transformation journey so how do you assess their future ways of working and how you put forward a plan a change plan in terms of catering for that uh, so we have to define that as a digital road roadmap for the organization we just assess what kind of digital maturity they have in the organization identifying the kids strengths and capabilities and then define a digital transformation roadmap where they want to be and, what and would, that's what how what would typically be in that roadmap? You know, what's a, what does a typical engagement look like for you? Uh, it would start with a, a discovery of their internal capabilities and assessment about uh, people, process, data, technology. And once we have done that due diligence about in the discovery phase, then we define the roadmap of what we need to be. And when we say that where they need to be, they could be, you know, from the services element, uh, what would be the services? Because sometimes often we forget about, you know, uh, putting a digital transformation roadmap, um, the technology is there, then what happens? What is a user adoption? How does it kick in? Um, so how does day one look like versus week one versus month one? And then how do you measure that user adoption going forward? Um, because digital transformation is not just one project. You do it, deliver it, and done and dusted. So it has to have that continuous improvement plan built into that digital transformation. Um, and then uh, you, you have asked about what exactly it is on that digital transformation roadmap. It would be the discovery, then the plan about where they want to be, the continuous improvement plan. Then rules and responsibilities, because maybe the workforce need to do those similar kind of work, but in a different ways of working. So how does their role improvise? And what does their responsibility look like in future? Right. It, it's interesting, actually. You know, it's pretty common for people to talk about um, people process technology. You, um, I, I, I think the true sense of the digital transformation element is the, is the real understanding of the data bit. Of, of what yeah. you were just saying so that fourth key element um is is, is do you agree with me that, that you know that is probably the core element of a, uh, of a digital transformation where organizations are really starting to understand where the data mm -hmm. comes from and make sense of that data to drive the business forward and make the, the core absolutely the right absolutely and um, so data is a key asset of any organization and it would have been built over the period of time they might have legacy systems so the data is so important how do you see the data how do you have that 360 degree view of your own data and see that customer elements customer experience where you have what are the touch points of the data and then use the same data to make that informed decision in the business so because if you don't have the right tools and technology then you might not be able to see the data in the right way and the right form to take your informed decision so i do see that data is a very key important and nowadays we can have different technology recently i've written a book about uh you know building a digital future where i have touched upon you know the key capabilities of certain um you know the certain um technology where we have user dynamics 365 and power platform uh, but overall overarching is about the data so how you use the data how you put the data governance in place um and how do you perceive the data in terms of different views different dashboards for, for the organization, for the team, for the department, for the man management, for the C-suite executive, they might be having different sets of requirements to see the data to make that informed decision. And, and in your experience, how are 
the senior team responding to that? Because um, on, on one on one level, the more data they can have, the, the better. That, as you said, they're much more informed. Um, but a lot of times, getting access, although the data exists within the organisation, getting access to that and getting it uh, access to it in a consistent form. Yeah. Um, I, I, I've noticed that that can create some conflicts, maybe. Um, because it, it, it's it's highlighting things that they may not uh, individuals may not want to be public. Um, um, so, so, what's your experience of that? Is, is is that a challenge for you as you as you start to engage with clients? Um, we, it, it's a, it's about the sponsorship. If we have the right level of sponsorship from the top, um, so sometimes often we also see the leadership team is not aware of how what level of data, what different levels of data, what layers of data you have. So when we start engaging with the customer, they do have an awareness of their own data, but then we have to break it down and understand what are the sensitive level of data. And now with the GDPR, we have to do that private data versus public data, what level of data you can share with other organization in the public domain. So it is critical, but at the same time, if you have the right level and the right governance in place with the data, it's, it's doable and you can bring that data into light and bring that into different format. Okay, brilliant. And, 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 and moving forward, so, so you've gone through one of the sort of definition stage and, and, uh, and you're, you're going into the build phase. What are the essential elements do you feel that you need to have in that, in, in that sort of building and implementation stage? Um, it's clarity. It's clarity about what kind of build we are doing. Um, and it's always about the priority of the client. What do they want to bring in the build? Uh, so we do in an agile ways of working. So that helps in terms of giving the clarity, giving the transparency about what is going into build, uh, what has been prioritized, what is going into build and what comes out of the build in an iterative cycle. So always giving that to view and what has been built so far and getting feedback to improve the product because the requirements might be there. There might be 100 requirements. And out of that, let's say we have done in an iterative cycle of 10, 15 requirements in one cycle. And then when we show the product to the client, there might be some certain feedbacks that we have to need to take it forward and bring that into the next cycle. So it's always about continuously improving and continuously taking the feedback to shape the product and giving that transparency to the client. So that is a key element. We see that in the build phase. Um, and while doing the build phase, that is about the product. The other thing we have to take into consideration is about the data migration. If we have the data from the legacy system, how many iteration, how many cycles do we need to do to make the data, transform the data to go into the new system? So that's that's another element we look into it. Um, and then not to forget about the change because the change runs in parallel and uh, we can't leave the change up until the end once the product has been delivered. So we have to continuously look for different departments that will be impacted with the system, with the solution, with the new ways of working. So what can we bring along with that? Uh, and the familiarization of any kind of new product that has been built, what will have what will it impact how it will impact the people so that that happens in parallel and towards the end of the build phase i would say when the product is in a much greater shape then you obviously engage the uh, client to do some testing uh, and get the final feedback on the testing and training element is that um, we also bring forward the service support model that it would look like when the product has gone live with the new ways of working, who will be responsible, accountable for the service support. So that's another element that is baked into when we start building, not to forget about all the other things that is happening. Yeah. 
absolutely and 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 as you go through that process you know you, there's a whole as you say a whole series of different activities there uh, which which of those um do you typically find that sort of business leaders are, are most challenged by I think the decision-making process uh, depends on the industry, though, the decision-making process, because um, as we are going through the iterative cycle, we would like the business to make that continuous decision. And sometimes we have seen if the team is not empowered to make that decision, that delays the process. Um, and it is the fear of new ways of working that mm. is always there and that I see that is where the challenge comes from. Some organizations are really quick in making that decision and has empowered the team to make that decision. But I think the struggle comes in where the processes have not been streamlined, where the processes were, are still ongoing um, and not knowing what will be the impact of the new ways of working to the people. Yes. So that's yeah. where the challenge lies. I think it, it's important that that process uh, assessment and evaluations happened up front, isn't it? And then Absolutely. you overlay that with the technology rather than the technology driving that that, that sort yep. of process change. You yeah. can do it that way, but I, I find that all too often um, that that creates more challenges in the long term. Absolutely, yeah. Can I agree more with that? So... Um, we, we talk a lot on these podcasts around engaging people and, um, uh, and, and, and taking people on the journey. And we've just covered a little bit of that about at what stage do you start to engage the, the users or, uh, or, the, or the frontline staff uh, within the programme. What, what, what do you find are the essential elements to, that, uh, that will determine whether or not a, uh, a programme is going to be successful or not? I think continuous um, update and communication really helps from the very beginning when the any kind of business transformation program starts. And senior leadership team, um, the C-suite executive, uh, they should be having a continuous flow of communication in terms of what is the vision, what is the mission, where do they want to be delivering the benefit, whether it's a short-term plan or it's a long-term plan. So it's a continuous communication helps. Um, we will always see change resistance and the resistance comes from the fear of of unknowns um, and that can be mitigated by having that and improving that continu continuous communication channel and we should always have a feedback loop um, if you don't have the feedback loop just the communication doesn't work so and people should be you know quite encouraged to talk about even if it is a sensitive risk and issue people should be encouraged to talk about that sensitive um, areas of either decision making or the risk um, so yeah with the continuous communication, I think, with a yeah. clear description of what the vision is. I totally agree with the, um, uh, as you say, encouraging people to get engaged and raise issues as early as possible and raise their concerns. But what do you, what, what do you do to to encourage that? Well, you know, what what tools and techniques have you used and adopted to 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 get people to open up? Because sometimes that can be quite frightening for people because you you naturally yeah. start to think. Well, is it me? Do, is, does everybody else understand it and I don't? So there's a bit of reticence a lot of times of getting people yeah. to open up, isn't there? We try to do that. One is open communication, um, but we still have to think about the introverts, introvert versus extrovert. Um, so we might engage with the extrovert on an uh, you know open communication, but we also have a survey where it is un, uh, unnamed kind of survey that helps in terms of engaging the introvert people to you know still stay current and talk about their 
risk openly. And um, that's another way of doing it. And in an open forum and focused group, that's another way of doing things. And sometimes it helps in terms of having that communication, not so formalized, but in a very informal setting, like uh, a coffee morning or, you know, uh, you know, evening cocktail, something like that, which helps to people to open up. And it is not always about, you know, it's a quite a serious matter. So I think make it a little bit informal to engage with the people who are really kind of not talking, sometimes giving that opportunity for them to, you know, share that in public or share that in a different forum. No, I agree. It's, uh, I think some of the most insightful conversations I've ever had have been the really informal ones, just uh, just around the coffee machine. Yeah. Uh, and and um, it, it's it's almost, I suppose, you, you get them a little bit off guard, and and you know you can you can if you, if you if you ask the question in a slightly different way, people open up when it's on a one to one basis, and and actually that's all you want. You just want you want the issues out on the table so you can do something. Absolutely. About them. Yeah. So yeah, I think it, it's it's using all of those um, ways of engaging with people. It's it's the key, isn't it? So there's been a lot of uh, talk recently, and, and there always is lots of reports out about how projects and programmes and transformations within organisations don't deliver, typically deliver, you know, typical 70% of, uh, of programmes fail. And, and I've read something earlier, uh, probably uh, two or three weeks ago, where that figure has got supposedly gone up to, I think it was 83% of digital transformations are, are failing to deliver. Um, and, and, and when you break that down and, and really start to understand, well, what do they mean by not delivering? Part of it is uh, about delivering on time. Part of it is delivering um, against the original budget. Um, but a lot of it is that the original benefits that are outlined within the business case never get delivered or only partially get delivered. So what do you do to um, ensure that um, those those benefits that are, as you say, outlined in the business case are tracked and, you know, what do you do to to ensure that they do get delivered? It is also about the realising the benefits, isn't it? If we have defined the benefits in the business case and if it is not tracked, it is not measured, then towards the end we see that what is the measure uh, against any kind of delivery or any kind of benefits. So what I try to do is, and also from Proceed, there was another stats about six times if with the change transformation it helps to you know deliver the project on time and six times more efficient. Um, so we try to engage in all different ways. So one is uh, using a very clear communication part through the tools in terms of how much we are delivering, what are we delivering, and how is it linked to the benefit? Um, are we delivering the right benefit or do we see that the benefit um, at the current state of time has changed? And so what do we need to do with changing that and during our roadmap it's not about you know delivering a plan with the right milestone it's also about being agile and take that feedback look as I was saying rightly at the earlier like you have to take the feedback and see if we are tracking the benefit is it still current whether benefit need to be slightly improvised or worded in a slightly different way so that helps in terms of new ways of working like if you wouldn't have ever imagined with the pandemic completely all the digital transformation agenda which was for the next yeah. two years has been brought forward um, so doing the same thing uh, like we have been doing in the last 10 years wouldn't work so how flexible we are and what are the technologies we are using to track it so we do have different kind of technologies and i would say from the microsoft point of view we are using devops 
um, to have that visibility, giving a continuous feedback in terms of these are the items that has been delivered, this is still pending, so what do you think about or what need to be prioritized? So prioritization is in the client's hand, in the customer's point of view, what do you think we need to do to move forward from A to B? Um, and once we have done it, does it look right? Do we need to make any further changes? So have that continuous conversation really helps. No. It's interesting, though, um, there's been uh, interesting that you should start off with, have you got a benefits realisation plan? Because yeah. uh, all too often when you when you go into an organisation that invested quite heavily in the, the thinking and the planning out of what they're going to do. Um, and within the business case, it very clearly um, documents what the expected benefits are. Then you say, OK, how are we going to track and what's your plan for delivering these benefits? It's not there. It's not something that's really built into the psyche of lots of organisations. And uh, it, it's it's just as critical, I find, that you've got that plan for delivering those benefits and tracking those benefits in a structured way as it is for all the other planning aspects that you do in terms of the, the building, the delivery. I would also say that some organisations are not digitally matured enough to have that tracking in place. Um, so you, you would be amazed at how the project has started, but they, they do have the plan. Is it more about you know tracking the benefit? Is it customer experience could be benefit, but there might not be much more details around it. What, what does it mean in terms of delivering the customer experience? Is it mean quicker, faster speed? Um, or is it more about, you know, the best experience that you will have reducing the manual work? Um, so those are the key things and you have to put some numbers against it, like um, how much does it take? How much of time and effort does it take now? And where do you want to go reducing that amount and effort? So sometimes it is there in, in, in their agenda, but it's not written down, not breaking, uh, broken it down in terms of real tangible numbers. And then it becomes very difficult to track it if you don't have any tangible numbers to track against. Uh, but yes, that comes with the digital maturity of the organization. All we can do is, you know, state the fact that this is where we are and where do you want to go moving forward? Yeah, I think they, uh, there's a tendency, isn't there, to once things are signed off, let's get get cracking yeah. and let's get going and, and, and actually just stepping back at times just to say, okay, let's be clear. We've got that end point. We've got that vision about where we're trying to get to, but let's put some clear metrics in place to determine that when we're there, we know we're there. Or, you know, six months down the line, we know whether that we're still going in the right direction or not, given all the changes that can happen around absolutely. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much for that. Um, change can be stressful um, for everybody, um, whether you are uh, working in the organisation and, and having change done to you, or leading the program. Um, so one of the things that we always ask um, uh, guests to the podcast is what do you do to alleviate stress and, and your sort of the pressure points when, you, when you're working in projects? And uh, just so that again, you know, different, different people have different ways of doing things. So that mm. might just help someone who may be going through a stressful period at the moment, just to think about a different way of uh, alleviating that sort of pressure. 
Absolutely. Uh, no one is untouched by stress time. And given the fact that it is a pandemic, so we have to keep our game up, we have to keep up going. So sometimes it is difficult to do that. When uh, earlier days, I would say go to the gym, go for a walk and things like that. But in a lockdown period, it is really difficult to do all the sort of things. But uh, whatever you could do, I mean, a little bit of meditation that helps a little bit of, you know, even if you go out not to take it too harsh on yourself um but even just go out for a walk go out to the nature whatever you could do just to you know sometimes it's, it's also said if you go out in the woods go for a walk any kind of knots you have in your head it gets cleared up um so and you get a different perspective to see things in a different way and changes sometimes uh, if it is done to you that is a completely different you know stressful time compared to if it's done by you so if you are part of that change, then you do see different perspectives people can bring in together. So uh, always encouraged to have that group focus, talk about the stress time, how they are coping, uh, keeping in mind that everybody goes through that journey. So you, what is the empathy mechanism that you have in place? Um, so that, that helps to bring it forward. But everybody might be having a different ways of doing things. For me, a little bit of meditation, going out for a walk in the woods, um, that really helps. Yeah, and it's interesting. We get so many responses to that question, as you can imagine, because as you say, it's it's very personal. Um, but the one consistent theme, it's about getting away and just giving yourself some space, whether that is a 10-minute meditation, whether that is a one-hour walk in the woods, whether it's go to the gym or go. It's, a, it's about taking you out of that environment that you're finding stressful and just giving yourself some time to think and time to settle and time to re, um, just to, to, to relax a little bit. And then when you come back in, yeah, the situation might still be there, but mm. at least you can come with a slightly fresh perspective on things. And I, I, the other thing I, asked, I, I was interested to hear in your response was, um, if you are finding things stressful, don't try, don't try to walk away from it, actually try to engage with it. Because once you once you engage in that change, you 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 become much more aware of what's going on, um, and people in in that change curve, people tend to get more stressed when they're unsure about what's happening. Yeah. And 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 if we can get people through that change curve uh, and start to accept it and and embrace it, then yeah. not in every occasion, but in a lot of occasions, it's nowhere near as impactful as as, uh, as we originally thought it could be. So uh, I think the stress yeah, comes from the fact of unknown fear of what is going to happen to me. Uh, if I put that in my in that position, so if it is clear to me what is going to you, what is happening with the change, and then it is much more clearer in my head, in my perception. And then it becomes a little bit of, you know, accepting that change. Well, we, we, we finish with one question, which is what's your one takeaway? For me, I'm a people person. So I would uh, really, uh, you know, say that working with people really helps in terms of any kind of change transformation. It's not easy, but uh, we can give it a try. And, you know, with the different perspectives, we can always keep trying to encourage and engage with the right amount of people and moving forward. Brilliant. Great way to finish, uh, Lippi. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Tony. It's a pleasure to talk to you. Super, thank you. Once again, thank you, Lippy. If you have listened to previous episodes, you will, like me, have highlighted the common themes from all of the show. 
Yet one thing that I find really interesting is to listen to how different guests have approached different challenges throughout their career. The Transformation Leaders Hub is a great place for you to meet other people operating in this space. We proactively introduce you to other members and help and encourage you to develop your network and open up opportunities for each other. If you haven't tested it out already, please do take a look. www.thetransformationleadershub.com is the web address um, and you can click on the link in, in the show notes. Um, what you'll find is a whole range of people with lots of experience that are openly happy to share that. Um, so uh, a great opportunity for people to get to know people and build the network and, uh, as I say, open up new opportunities. So with that, um, thank you for listening and I will see you in a couple of weeks.
Equally, if you need support in delivering your change programs, TLH provides you with direct access to a large group of really experienced individuals, irrespective of whether you need someone to join you permanently on a contract or provide some short-term consulting support, you will never have to pay any intermediary fees. A real game changer in my opinion.